is a massive joy to be in the middle of our city, preaching the gospel, worshiping Jesus. It is just a celebration. We planted this church nine years ago in order to be, to make much of Jesus. Amen. And that's why we do this. This is why we gather together here in this city, in this park, to make much of Jesus, because Jesus is better. Amen? So around the time uh, that we planted this church, uh, my wife and I, um, we bought a house, our first house, um, and we accidentally moved into it uh, before we closed in on it. And uh, it was a short sale, and so we were kind of doing some renovations, and we were moving you know, things over little by little. We were planting the church. We didn't have anywhere to put all the stuff for planting the church. So I had the keys to this house as we were renovating it, so I started moving stuff in the garage and just kind of changed the garage lot. And we would move stuff little by little. And because it was a short sale, the bank that was selling it, um, they kept pushing the close date out, which was fine until the apartment in which we were living in said, oh, you can no longer extend your stay. Um, you actually need to move out. And we had no place to live. So we're like, well, let's just, let's just move, like finish moving our stuff, get in the house. And, and, and we kind of moved in and we thought it would be like, you know, the next day. Well, it kept uh, lingering. And, and we, it, days turned into to weeks, and we're, we're in this house. And at one point, my wife and I were like, are we going to get in trouble? Like, is this, like, what's going to happen to us? I, I even looked up the laws on it and, and to see if we were going to be arrested. And I actually found out, uh, I came to my wife, and I said, Jesse, we're squatters right now. She's like, what does that mean? Is that bad? I was like, no, apparently it's really good. They can no longer do anything to us. But here's the funny part. Uh, we moved into this house, and it had a $9,000 lien, water lien, which meant the water was shut off. So we're living in this house, and uh, in order to flush the toilets, what I did was I went to Walmart, and I got all these jugs, and I bought gallons of water and put it in our car and, and showed my wife, if you pour it in the top, you can flush the toilet toilet. Well, the, the time period got so long that I got tired of buying water from Walmart. This shows the budget we were on. So I took these jugs down to the creek in Fairview Village, and I began filling them up so I could flush the toilets. And people would come by looking at me like I was really strange. I'm like, no, this is very normal. Um, I'm just collecting, wa I'm stealing water from the city so I can flush a toilet of a house that I don't own that I live in right now, right? That just very normal experience of what I was going through. But the reason we moved into this house, the reason we had access in the first place was because this house needed major renovations. It needed every room of this house. Uh, the carpet was gone. The plumbing was ripped out. The backsplash and tile in the kitchen was ripped off of the wall. And so we actually, we had to do these renovations. And so while we're working on these renovations, we had to have access to it. And here's my hope for us today, is all of us, we, we are longing for radical transformation in our lives. For some of us, it, we want our marriages to be, and families to thrive. We want to be filled with joy and peace. We want friendships marked by unity and celebration. We want to be free from anxiety and addiction. But here's what I need you to understand. In order for that to happen, Jesus has to have access to our whole lives. We have to allow him. He is the only one who can bring about radical transformation to all that we are, our lives, our marriages, our families, our legacies, and we need to give him full access. And so this is my invitation today. 
that we would allow Jesus to move radically in our hearts. We would allow him to move radically and, and renovate and remodel our lives. We would give him access to our families and our friendship, our wounds and our addictions, our hopes, dreams, fear, and anxiety. And here's what's going to happen as you begin to give Jesus access. You're going to realize that Jesus is better. He, he is better than anything else you are longing for. He, he is better he is more satisfying. He is more fulfilling. And so what I want to do today is I want to look at one of my favorite stories in all of the Gospels. It's in Mark chapter 9. If you have a Bible, you can grab it, open to Mark chapter 9. You can pull out your phone, turn to Mark chapter 9, or you can follow along on the screen. And we're going to look at this story of Jesus bringing three of his disciples up to a mountain where he is going to reveal, give them a glimpse of his glory. So Mark chapter 9, starting in verse 2. It says, after six days... Jesus took Peter, James, and John. These are three of his disciples that, that had been following him for years. Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them in a voice. And a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they, saw, they no longer saw anyone with them except for Jesus. Here's what I want us to see. Um, Jesus wants to reveal himself to you. He is in the business of revealing himself. The reason he takes Peter, James, and John up this mountain is he wants to give them a glimpse of his nature and glory and authority. God is not a hidden mystery to be discovered. God is a person to be known. Th think about think about how you ended up here today. Everybody ended up here for different reasons. There, there, there's different weight to it. Some of you guys... You saw a poster. Others saw something on Instagram. Other, others were invited by, by friends and family members to become a part of this church or just come visit on a day like this. But here's what I know. Every single story is not a random happenstance. So those of you who maybe even just saw a poster walking around, you thought you were getting a carne asada burrito downtown Gresham and you saw this poster and you're like, Church in the Park, that sounds kind of nice. We had a guy show up to Church in the Park one time, and we were sharing about our event and what's happening, and we got up and said, you know, there's events here, and we have cold brew over there, and, and he was not connected to a church. He'd never been part of a church before, and he, got, he, he thought when we said cold brew, we, he didn't think we meant coffee. He thought we meant like a cold brewski, and he was like, this is my church, man. He was like, they meet in a park and they serve beer. Like, I am all about this. He, he ended up being a part of our church for a number of years. And he never ended up giving his life to the Lord. But you know who did? His two sons. He watched as his boys were baptized. See, it seems like a random happenstance, but it's a divine encounter. No matter why you are here today, I want you to know it is for a divine encounter. Even planting this church... 
this church got planted when I met a couple at a coffee shop. We, we, were, we just moved into that house and, and we were making a connection and, and I didn't know what God was doing. I thought it was a random happenstance, but it was a divine encounter. Even church in the park. You know why we started doing church in the park? Because nobody comes to church on 4th of July weekend, right? Churches cut down to one service, all this kind of stuff. So we're like, well, we might as well do it outside in a park. This has become one of our biggest events all year round. There have been 70, of all of our church in the parks, we've had 74 people get baptized at our church in the parks. And, here, and, and here's what I'm thinking is going to happen today. Uh, I think we're going to cross over 100 today, okay? Because God moves. What we think is random happenstance is actually a divine encounter. And so I don't know how you got here today, but I know why you are here. Because Jesus wants to reveal himself to you. Because that's what he does. Think about it. In the scriptures, God is constantly revealing himself to people. And there's particular places. Uh, mountains are a common theme. Even these two guys. We're, we're, I'm going to explain Moses and Elijah a little bit more in a second here. But these are men that had encounters with God up on mountaintops. Moses met God face to face. God revealed himself to Moses. Gave him the Ten Commandments up on a mountaintop. Elijah was a great prophet, but we, he went through a season of depression and darkness and suicidal thoughts, and God met him up on a mountain. My hope and prayer for you today is that today would be a mountaintop moment in your life. Maybe it's because you're getting baptized. Maybe it's because you're going to respond to the gospel in a different way. Maybe you're going to meet someone, or maybe you're going to feel a wound that, that is healed. I don't know what it is, but, but my hope and prayer is that Jesus would reveal himself to you, and this would be a mountaintop moment for you. Because all throughout Scripture... God has given us means to access his presence. Think about it. He's given us all these means. He's given us his word. You know what the point of the Bible is? To, for God to reveal himself to us. To show us about his love and his grace and his goodness and his kindness. That is why he has written this word. It is, a, it is not a rule book to follow. It is a love letter to his creation. That's why we have the word. That's the beauty of this. This is why he's given us prayer. You know what prayer is? It's access to our father. That through Jesus we can have access to him. Think about it. The, only a child has that level of access. Look, look I love my church. I love you guys, but if any of you came to my room at night, knocked on my door, and said, hey, uh, I'm really thirsty, can you get me a glass of water? I don't feel like, I don't feel like our friendship would, would go very far, right? I feel like a boundary would be crossed. Yet my kids, on a regular basis, are knocking on my door and saying, dad, uh, can you get me some water? And what do we do? What do my wife and I do? We get them a glass of water, and we take them down, and we tuck them in bed, and we kiss them on the forehead. And we do not file a restraining order against them. That's a, because they have that kind of access. Jesus tells us that through him, we have that kind of access to the Father. He's given us his spirit, the Holy Spirit, for us to experience his presence and his power. He's given us his church. Why? So that when we gather together, we can experience love and grace and oneness. All of these things, they are invitations up to the mountain. They are moments we're called to have access and encounter Jesus. He is a God who reveals himself to his people. And what do you find when you... When Jesus actually reveals himself to you. What do Peter, James, and John find? Is that Jesus is what you are longing for. 
all of us. Jesus is what we've been looking for our whole lives. Jesus is what we've been seeking. Now, this story is interesting because Peter, he's actually the one telling the story, even though it's in the gospel of Mark, because Mark wasn't there. Uh, theologians would argue that, that Mark's gospel is kind of like Peter's gospel written by Mark. And so he, Peter's telling this story. And what does it say? It says, there he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. Transfigured. I just picture Peter telling this story like to the rest of the disciples. Like what happened? Transfigured means transformed, right? So Jesus, uh, Jesus was like the first transformer. He was like Messiatron, right? And Peter's like, he's unbleachable. Like it's this scene, you know, that they're, that they're going through. Because Jesus is revealing himself, his majesty and his glory and might. This is why Jesus came to earth, to reveal what God is like, to reveal his grace and his love and his goodness. He says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Later in Colossians, Paul says, he is the image of the invisible God. Jesus came to show us what God is like, his love and his grace and his goodness and his steadfastness. And so Jesus takes them up the, mo- uh, up the mountain and he reveals, gives them a glimpse of his glory. And and look at this interaction as it goes on. It says, and there before them appeared Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Peter said, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. You ever had a moment where you're like feeling nervous or you're like starstruck and you're like, don't know what to say. And then the thing you say is kind of dumb. That's Peter in this passage, right? Just imagine the scene. Like he's in front of his heroes. He sees Jesus transfigured and he sees Moses and Elijah, and he's like, hey, Jesus, hey, I have something to say. And Jesus is like, yeah, what's up, Peter? And he's like, it's good we're here. It's good we're here, Jesus. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's why I brought you. I wanted to, you to see something. He's like, it's good we're here, right? And, and I'm sure Moses and Elijah kind of look at each other like, who, like, who's this guy? And Jesus is like, well, this is the guy who is going to lead the church when I leave. We call him Rock. This is Peter, right? And Moses and Elijah are like, no wonder the Holy Spirit is dipping out and going to go help them. They need help if this is Peter. And before you think I'm getting too harsh on Peter, like look at the most hilarious parentheses in all of the Bible. What, what does it say here? It says, he did not know what to say. They were so frightened, right? So when the Bible is defending your words, right? It's just like, hey, give him a break. Yes, it, it, good we hear. Give him a break for what he said. He was so frightened. But why is he frightened? Because he's in the presence of his heroes. And, and see what happens here is, is there's this moment where he's talking about Moses and Elijah and Jesus. That's just sound effects. Just deal with it. There's Moses and Elijah and Jesus. And who, and who are these men? Well, Moses is this great leader. Moses is the man who led the Israelites out of Egypt, led them out of slavery. They crossed the Red Sea and parted the Red Sea, and he led them through the wilderness and up to the point of the promised land. He wrote wrote the first five books of the Bible. These kids grew up idolizing, looking up to a man like Moses. And Elijah was this incredible prophet. The reason, uh, the, the reason we know about Elijah is he goes, he has these encounters where he stops, he, he prays that it would not rain for three and a half years and it doesn't rain for three and a half years. And he prays the rain would come down. 
and it comes down. All these moments in the scriptures, looking back, they're looking at Moses and Elijah, and they're like, they're these incredible men. And so Peter, he's standing there before his heroes. Like as the kids grew up, these are who they interacted, who they tried to be. It wasn't Spider-Man and Batman. It was Moses and Elijah. And so Peter is standing there, and he's just starstruck, and he's awestruck. And he says, let us put up three tents. He says something that is so subtle we can miss it and misunderstand it. He says, let us put up three shelters, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And what, what he does with these two heroes of his is he puts them on a level playing field with Jesus. He says, I just want to dwell with these men. Isn't this incredible? We're in the presence of Moses and Elijah and Jesus. Can we just dwell in their wisdom and their glory? And then a cloud appeared and covered them. And a voice came from the cloud. Said, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly when they looked around, they, were, they no longer saw anyone with them except for Jesus. See, the voice of God shows up and says, no, 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 no. No, this is my son. Do not miss this. It is Jesus who we listen to. It is Jesus who we adore. Listen, Moses was a great prophet and Elijah was a great prophet and a great leader, yet none of them compared to Jesus. And it's the same thing with us, anything in life. Having a great career is awesome. Getting married can be wonderful. Having a friend group that loves you and knows you is amazing. But if you try to find salvation, satisfaction, identity, and meaning in anything other than Jesus, it will fall short. It will fall short every time. Until you learn to find total satisfaction in the person of Jesus, everything else will leave you wanting. That's what God is revealing here in this story. My wife and I this week, we were watching um, the Taylor Swift documentary. I don't know how many of you guys have seen that. I don't know how many Swifties we got in the house, but uh, we're watching this documentary and uh, uh, we got two, okay? Uh, uh, we're watching this documentary and it was like incredible. I found myself like so impressed with Taylor Swift. It was like everything, every goal she set out, she accomplished. Her songwriting ability was incredible. Her, her, her stage presence, her passion, her vision, her drive over and over. And I found myself like looking up, like is she coming? Is she gonna have, a concert around here? How much are tickets? Uh, tickets are a lot. Should I sell my house? And I'm, I'm literally like, I'm watching this. I'm like, am I a Swifty now? What's happening? Is this, is this literally happening to me? Because every single goal she set out for, she accomplished. Radio hit. Check. Top the billboards. Check. I mean, she was like 16 years old when this started. Country Music Award. Check. Share a microphone with Kanye West at the VMAs. Check, but not quite how she wanted it to go, right? Grammy Award. Check, check, check. Her current tour, they're, they're guesstimating it's going to gross over $1.3 billion, okay? Uh, it, it is up there. Like the only thing comparable in the history of music is like the Beatles, okay? And it's, it, it's, just, it's just everything, every goal she set. But here's what was so jarring to me as I'm watching this documentary. Over and over, she kept reaching the mountaintop. And she kept saying the same thing when she got there. This isn't enough. I reached my goal and I thought this would make me happy. This isn't enough. And she kept looking at the next, at the next, at the next. And here's the thing, you guys, we are exactly the same. 
We can look at people and be like, oh, Tay-Tay, you just don't know, right? We are, but we are exactly the same. We just have different mountains. We have different goals. If I just got this house, if I just got this job, if I only had this relationship, if I only could get out of debt, if I only could get ahead, and no matter what mountain you climb, if Jesus is not at the top, it will disappoint. This is what we experience over and over. This is what we're feeling. And Jesus is not saying these are bad things. In fact, he, he calls many of these things good things. But what we do is we do the same thing that Peter did. And we say, let me set up three tents. Let me set one for you, Jesus. But then I want one for my career and one for my relationship status. Yeah, Jesus, you can have a place in my life, but it's right next to my success and my financial stability. And God shows up and he says, this is my son. Listen to him. You guys, this is why this book, this word was written. It's to make much of Jesus. This is what our lives should be all about. It should be all about Jesus because Jesus is better. This is why they look around and everyone else is gone. And Peter, James, and John see Jesus only because it's only Jesus who we can find satisfaction in. It's only Jesus we can find salvation in. It's only Jesus who is worthy because Jesus is the one we are longing for. He is who and what we are longing for, a creator that loves us, a savior who saves us, a God worthy of devoting our life, a God worthy of complete surrender. It tells us in scripture that Jesus is the alpha and the omega. You know what that means? It means the beginning and the end. Uh, it's the Greek, letter of the alpha, Greek letters of the alphabet, the first and the last Greek letters of the alphabet. It's like saying Jesus is the A to Z. And when you go through, this is who Jesus is. Jesus is the architect of our world and our lives. Jesus is before all things and in, in him all things find their purpose. Jesus is close to the brokenhearted. He desires to be with you. He is ever present in every moment of everyone's lives. He is the fulfillment of all of God's promises and the fulfillment of all you long for. He is the generous giver of all that is good and glorious in this world. He is our humble king who humbled himself and took on human form and hung upon a cross on our behalf. He is the image of the invisible God. He is our just Justice, our judge and our justification. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is my Messiah. He is never going to let you leave you nor forsake you. He is the only one who could ever save. He is our perfect propitiation for our sin, paying the penalty completely. Whatever your question, Jesus is the answer. He is the one who clothed me in his righteousness. He is my savior. He is my teacher. He is the unbroken breaker of chains. He is our victory. He's the one who walks. He walks on water. He walks over the serpent's head, crushing it. He walks with me through the valley of the shadow of the valley of death. He walks with us through all of eternity. He's our perfect example, fulfills every expectation, and will forever be exalted. He yearns to be with you in eternity, and he is zealous for me, loves like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. You guys, he's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the A to Z. He's the beginning and the end. And until you find total satisfaction in the person of Jesus, everything else in this life will leave you wanting because Jesus is better. Because Jesus is the one who entered our world in order to live the perfect life that we couldn't live 
in order to restore a relationship that we couldn't earn. Jesus is the one who died upon the cross, dying as a sacrifice for our sins, paying the penalty for our rebellion against God. Jesus is the one who defeated Satan crushing his head and removing his power over sin and death. Jesus is the one who will raise again on the third, who rose again on the third day, conquering over death itself, ushering in a new reality that death does not have the final say. Amen. Jesus is better. And this is why God shows up and says, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. It's an invitation to surrender over to Jesus's lordship over our lives. So here is my invitation today, that you would surrender to Jesus. In a second here, my buddy Chris is gonna come up. We planted this church together with 40 other people, and he's gonna make an invitation. Some of you need to respond in baptism for the first time today. Some of you need to surrender over to the Lord's salvation over your life. But here's what I know. All of us have something to surrender to Jesus. And when we surrender, he meets us with his grace and his goodness. He is glorious and he is mighty and he is wonderful. Would we surrender all that we have and experience that Jesus, he's better. You know, here's the thing that's so interesting to me. We all have these things that hold us back, don't we? For some of them, for some of us, it's wounds, for some of it, it's fears or insecurities. Uh, one of the things about me uh, that I am most insecure about and that I just am broken in is my singing. Like, my, my singing is atrocious. Like, growing up, I had beagles. You ever heard of beagle bay? Like, like they, they chase after rabbits, right? That's, that's about the human equivalent of my singing voice. My, my friends used to, they would gather, whenever we were singing happy birthday, would, they would always have me start. Uh, it was kind of this funny factor, but it got so bad, and I just was off key and out of tone, whatever the music words are, that they would, finally were like, let's not do that anymore. My little girl, when she was, when she, I would lay next to her in bed, and I would sing to her, and she would look over at me, and she'd go, shh, daddy, daddy, don't, don't sing. Because I'm so, like, I'm so bad. And it's not like, it's not like a big, it doesn't really affect my life. Like, musicals aren't real. So it's not something that, like, I'm too worried about. But every once in a while, like, there's a moment um, where I just wish I wasn't broken. A couple months ago, we were with a bunch of people in Atlanta for a conference. It was a worship leaders conference. And uh, my wife and I would join them. And, and it was a room of 2,000 people and we were just singing out praises to the Lord. And it was like incredible. All some, of the, some of the best worship leaders and musical artists from all around the world were there joining us together and just singing. At one point, David Crowder gets up. He's like, this is literally the greatest sounding room I've ever heard in my life. And everybody just singing their hearts out. And I'm there bang like a beagle, right? And we had a worship night that first night. And we're gathering together. And... and the Spirit, I've never experienced a moment like this. It, the Holy Spirit was just so present there. And everyone is just worshiping in one voice. And I, I didn't tell anybody I was there, there with this story, but um, I, actually prayed, I actually prayed for a miracle. 
We're sitting there and it was just so moving and so powerful as we're worshiping together that I actually prayed, God, would you just for a moment, would you heal my broken voice and just let me sing out to you? Like, let it be a beautiful moment of praise. And so this next song comes on and we were just singing to Jesus, you are worthy of it all. And for the first time in my life, like I sang with all of my lungs and all of my voice. And you know what happened? It still sounded terrible. (laughs) But for some reason, I just didn't care. I was so drawn into the experience, so drawn into the presence of God. It's like I was finally able to fully surrender to him. And And I felt the Holy Spirit just whisper in my heart. And he just said, it's not your voice that's been broken all these years. It's your surrender. And so that night for maybe one of the few times ever in my life, I just surrendered to him in worship. And I mean, I'm I'm just standing there singing out to Jesus, not thinking about the people around me, not thinking about my brokenness, not thinking about my insecure. I'm thinking about Jesus only. And he meets me in that place. This is what Jesus does when we actually surrender. We have all these things that hold us back from offering our lives, but here's what you'll experience. If you actually surrender that part of your life, that part of your insecurity, that weakness over to Jesus, you know what you're going to find out? Jesus is better. He's better. He fulfills. He satisfies. He loves. He's good. He heals. He redeems. And my hope is that this day is a mountaintop moment for you where you would actually surrender over to the goodness of Jesus. And you may not experience a miracle. You may not experience a healing, but you know what you will experience? A living God who wants a relationship with you, who wants to heal you, who wants to bring you into his loving arms and be a part of his eternal family, the church, the people of God. And so may today be a moment in our lives where we say, Jesus, you are worthy. You are worthy of our worship. You are worthy of our praise and you are worthy of our surrender. Jesus, we thank you that you are so worthy of being worshiped in this city. Jesus, we thank you that you want to reveal yourself to us. Would you reveal yourself to us today? Would we get to know your goodness and your nature and your character in a deeper way today, Lord? Would we see that you are better than the things that we're longing for? That all these things are just going to leave us wanting, leave us falling short. And would you just move in us in a powerful way? redemptive way. And Lord, I pray that as Chris comes up here, Lord, would your Holy Spirit bring us to a point of surrender in our hearts, surrender in our lives, that we would give all that we are to you. We would give you the keys to our life and that you would move in and you would renovate and you would repair and you would restore. Jesus, we pray this in your holy name and all God's people said, amen.